Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And if you sense a little high octane, that's because we are about to talk about 10 fast and furious movies that have taken place over the last 22 years. And you know what's great is one of us started watching these movies 22 years ago when they were in college. And one of us binge watched 10 freaking Fast and the Furious movies for the first in the last week. <laughs> so we are bringing just a variety of mashups here. We're going to try to do the franchise proud. But, you know, we're kicking it off with the movie that is in theaters. That is the reason that we are here. And that is Fast 10. I love that the uh, press uh, agents for the studio sent us a thing. It should be pronounced Fast 10 and not Fast X, which I saw that right away. And maybe it's the football fan in me that's used to Roman numerals. But I have heard a lot of people calling it Fast X and wondering why it's Fast X. It is not. It is Fast 10, and that is the faces of Jason Momoa and Vin Diesel, who factor prominently in here. Uh, I will uh, let Eric lead off with your thoughts on this 10th installment of the franchise. Opened on uh, Friday. I'm sure it's going to win the weekend. Did it win your heart? So, yes, I very much enjoyed Fast X, which I agree with some commenters should have been called Fast 10 Your Seatbelts, which is a waste. <laughs> Damn, where did we begin? just can't we can't top this. You know what? You know where I'm going to be? I'm I'm, going to say, I'm going to start there. They have found the right idea for a villain that pays respect to the history of the franchise and bring something new, but not too new to the table. Because I'm going to go one step further and say Jason Jason Momoa is the Joker. And I'm going to go a step further than that and say he is the successful rendition of Jared Leto's Joker. Now, I know there are some people who are a fan of Jared Leto's Joker. I'm not saying he did a bad job, good job, whatever here. I'm saying I think this, his function in the story in this is successful, where the other Joker's function in the Suicide Squad movie that he was in was disconnected largely from the main plot and didn't have an impact and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's the little things. It's it's little, like, and here we go references that make me think of Heath Ledger. It's the purple suit and car when he's driving. It's it's the sitting next to the corpses and talking to them and painting their nails. It's, it's so many little things. And uh, I got to say, Jason Momoa really, really showed off that he would, could just have more fun than everybody. Now. As far as the rest of the movie, it is a step, a, a a a very 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 thankful step down in ridiculousness from nine. Okay, it's it is it is. That is a tough position to take. It's it's dialed back just enough from going into like space and and some things where there's still ridiculous impossible things happening, but. 
I could still believe that there are consequences to the people's actions because with nine, I basically got to the point where I was like, these are just rubber spaghetti people. Who cares? You throw them anywhere and they'll just, they'll be fine. Like they, I, it got to the point that the physics of the cars, people seem to think cars are made of bouncy house material so that since they crunch, if you land on them, they will be fine. And um, there's, they've gotten to the point with fast 10 where they're starting to repeat beats from the other movies. And I can't tell if they're doing it as intentional callbacks or if they're doing it because this is how to resolve this plot point and they can't really think of any other way. Either way, they've turned this... This was originally the first part of a two-part conclusion that's now going to be a three, a trilogy conclusion. You hope it's only going to be three. <laughs> I don't know, you know? I don't know. I think I could I could deal with it. I, um, as long as... You know don't... those memes that we had about around uh, this time last year? You know, the year is 1989 and I'm watching a darker, grittier Batman. The year is 2005 and I'm watching... I feel like we're we're about to the year is 2045 and I'm watching Vin Diesel driving a Chevelle. Um, uh, so my my top 3 single-handedly keeping Chevy in business at this point in time. My top 3 if you're going to do a drinking game with the series things all happen in this movie. There's the obligatory, like, I do this for family, like, esque comment that's like almost directly into the camera. Uh, Dom takes his necklace off and gives it to someone else. That, that's that gotta happen apparently in every movie for one plot. And he keeps getting it back, though. He, I mean, he keeps you, you coming think back he's buying the clue, like a boomerang, time. it keeps coming back. Um, I, I think it, it served a, a pretty good function this time, though. It actually. It didn't serve the obvious function I thought it was going to serve. Because a few movies back, they used it as a home weekend. Yeah. And, and I thought... Fate you... of the Furious. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Well, is it though? Now, I, I have no. a question for Number you. Number eight is called The Fate of the Furious. On the, all you the were posters... talking about they missed their, their chance with Fasten. Their seatbelts. Yeah. No, yeah. but I'm saying... In the actual, this drove me crazy because the original titles I know are The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six. six. No, Furious Six. Furious Seven. I'm pretty sure originally they called it Furious Six. Six? Okay, then Fast. Which is why I was furious that they used it twice because I was like, what the hell is going on here? Okay, and then Fate of the Furious, and then Fast Nine, F Nine, F Nine, just F Nine. Okay. Yeah. But this was driving me insane watching these movies where every single one of them from four on, I, I think Fast Five was just called Fast Five on on the title card, but like in eight, it, it really stuck out to me. They called it Fast and Furious Eight was the title card that popped up in the movie. That drove me absolutely crazy. I was like, "You can't do that." Like, you're gonna. What? I mean, if that, if that's the biggest qualm. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. It it seems like you you liked Fast Ten. I I I'm definitely gonna give it one thumb up 
um, just for how it, it walks this line that I think they tripped over in nine where they are embracing what they are without trying to be in on the joke. So I, I I really enjoyed the villain and I really enjoyed the biggest thing, which I feel like would be wrong for us to talk about, which is the ending. I was mm. like, yeah, let's, let's just stop here. That's. <laughs> well, I mean, they, this is their infinity war. I'm sure. Yeah. Like no, but... literally this is their in infinity war. I, I mean, 100%. They've, they've come. So, I mean, unless you were under a rock you knew coming in that this wasn't a concluding film so unlike right. previous films there isn't really a conclusion here i didn't expect we were getting a conclusion but imagine for me starting <laughs> at at one on i think it was sunday night last sunday night okay i conclusion 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 and then that 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 with his brother wrapping it up conclusion and then the one i catch up on is a cliffhanger <laughs> that's all right i noticed there's two uh members of the denver film critics society which i'm a part of that proudly said they had never seen a single movie and decided to go to fast 10 cold oh so that did happen i can't to someone oh a few a few people have avoided it throughout the years, I guess. Well, um, which, I, I made the right call. They're missing out. I'll have some I'll have some questions for you when we get to it. First, I'll give my um, take. I'm going to say I'm going to give this one a mild thumbs up. I'm going to classify my review with the good, the bad, and the disappointing. Um, the good for me, I liked the opening sequence when it harkened back to Fast Five, which I think is probably the best pure action film of the franchise. I know Ricky, our friend Ricky, that's long been about his favorite. It's, you know, I'll give my rankings a little bit later. I have a sentimental reason why I have something else higher. But it really is probably one of the best pure action ones. And it's, you know, the first one where they really built the whole expanded family and team. And I liked hearkening back to that. I liked that they were purposeful in including some of the Paul Walker segments uh, as a way to get back in there. I liked him looking at his photo board there and the way they did the beats of music uh, that, that was written for Furious 7, um, the, the tribute song to Paul Walker. That was a very emotional moment. I'm not going to deny it was a very emotional moment. I enjoyed the hell out of John Cena and little Brian, little B their sequences. I, I mean, I was never expecting it because I'll be honest, John Cena felt like a, his character felt a little bit like a turd in the punch bowl of F nine, much more enjoyable to me here. And so that brings me to just the outright bad, which you touched on this as something you loved, and a lot of people have mentioned something they loved. I hated Dante with every fiber of my being. Every scene he was in made me want to claw my eyes out and punch the screen. He was one of the most heinous villain characters I've ever seen in any film in my entire life. Between him and the cameo of Pete Davidson, who I can't stand, 
Ricky said that he was surprised I didn't take like three full stars off my grade, which I contemplated big time. Nothing about Dante and his character and his performance works for me. I found it garish over the top. It was an abomination. So I will be curious to see if previously John Cena's villain was by far the worst villain for me. It made no sense. <clears throat> this topped that a thousandfold. I loathed Dante. And that's probably one of the things that held me back from really even enjoying this film. I gave it a mild thumbs up because it's about what you expect, but it was the least enjoyable of the 10 films for me watching, which is probably saying something, even though I don't have it ranked as low because it's not as preposterous as some of them, but I didn't enjoy anything about my two and a half hours with that character. And the fact that I know I'm going to have to see him for two more films Mm. is daunting beyond belief i i doubt two more there's a pattern in these movies and i know that they're doing like a special conclusion but i very much doubt that it's going to be a three movie focused on dante thing i believe that there's going to be i think cypher's going to come back and be the ultimate uh, Maybe, and I like Charlize there, and I just think I, I liked her the best in this movie of the movies she's been in. Yeah, I mean, irritated the crap out of me in nine. So when we get to it, I think the problem with eight is that you had already done that storyline with Letty in six. So, for different reasons, of course, but it was like, ah, oh, back to the well. So I'm gonna get to the disappointing. Which, so for me, spoiler alert, I'm the one that has been watching this franchise for 22 years that was hyped to see Point Break with Cars when I was a junior in college in 2001. Think about the summer of 2001. Think That was prior to even 9-11. I mean, that's how old this franchise is. It came out the beginning of June 2001, Rob Cohen was the director he you know he had done some indie films i don't think many people knew who vin diesel was his biggest screen credit was pitch black which is fascinating in some ways but i wouldn't consider it to be like an iconic classic and paul walker's probably most notable role coming into this was uh playing the quarterback that tore his knee in varsity blues so, I mean, I was sold on the idea. I, I enjoyed Point Break, the, you know, the Keanu Reeves of it all. And I was kind of pumped about this. Jordana Brewster was a relative unknown. Michelle Rodriguez had done Girl Fight, had done a couple of things, but not really anything like that. And the big thing, Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez didn't even have driver's licenses when they got cast in this film, which think about that, how how ironic that is. And, and the whole thing about the whole movie. So I was in on that and I have appreciated the series most when it was a grounded in a sense of reality. I'm not saying the things that they did in some of these, even in some of the movies that I like are not amazing or pushing the boundaries, 
but they seem to be grounded in some sort of physical world and in these people as some sort of real people with a special set of characters. And in this idea of family, I've always been, you know, to steal from Scream 6, drawn to the core four. And the basic brotherhood between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker is so important to me. And I have struggled since Furious 7 with that. And I think the franchise has struggled for a movie that is so much about family. It's becoming more and more patently ridiculous that Brian, who is Joms ride or die, would not fucking come back when Dom is in this kind of trouble or like even his wife is out there and they're just like, oh, you know, Brian's doing this thing. He's watching the kids. He's helping us out. No, it just, I I didn't want them to kill his character, but it almost feels to me like they ruin his character a little bit more. The more this goes on, that he's not there. You know, they have those family dinner and I know why he can't be there. Paul Walker passed away in real life. That is a tragedy. Intellectually, I understand. But from a franchise point of view, it just it doesn't totally work for me. And then I think that's why, you know, then you get to eight and they're battling a nuclear submarine and nine and they're firing like a, a weird vehicle into space. And this movie, they're just like all over everything. I also feel like since it even really started in seven, but especially since then, they've made them kind of a cartoon level superhero group that I don't totally understand what they're what they're doing and being bought in to any of it. And I'm going to say this franchise is now suffering from the same thing that I have been hypercritical of Marvel about at times, which is there are no stakes. When we talked about Captain America Civil War, I told you the biggest frustration to me is that no one died. And even more so, like the end tag for Fast 10, when you see yet another character resurrected, no one ever dies. I know Ricky is convinced that one of the characters that had a big crash in this film is dead. And I'm not going to give away that plot. I, I literally don't believe it. I literally won't believe it until we get to the end and they say they're not making these movies anymore. And his character never came back because literally the only one that feels like they died in this is Brian. Who's not actually dead, who's just <laughs> perpetually babysitting, apparently. <laughs> you know, just chilling at home, babysitting. He's like, ah, oh, damn, Dom's in trouble. I should go help. Nah, nah, nah. You know, my son's got Little League. That that takes, you know, so that, and I, again, I know why they they can't do it. And there's, I wouldn't want them to recast the role, but it just, it, to me, there's just a hole. And when I think of the franchise and I think of the movies I love, and I just rewatched all of them, and I felt that same surge of passion and emotion. My wife's like, haven't you seen this six times? Why are you crying? And I'm like, leave me alone. You know, I'm, I'm still into it. And I just have not felt that. I did not feel that when I went to this one. And that's, you know, that is what it is. And that's why I, a mild thumbs up, it does what it's supposed to do. It had a heinous villain and there's just problems structurally where 
I'm just getting fast franchise fatigue, I guess. You know? It's hard for you to get fatigued because you've only had I'm, seven days. <laughs> I'm, I, it's funny. You're reminding me of thoughts that I kept having in the middle of this that I'm probably not going to have processed fully even by the end of, of, of this whole thing. Um, but I, I remember having this thought multiple times now and ate their excuse for Brian not being there. I both got and didn't get because Brian is a character who consistently understands why he shouldn't be putting his life at risk and is doing so on purpose. And that's part of the brotherhood he has with Dom in eight. I thought the idea uh, that compelled Dom to be like against the group worked well enough for me that I could understand leave his family at home. And like, so both Jordana Brewster and Brian, the character, not being there made just enough sense to me because the idea is the gang kind of catches on that Dom is doing something and wouldn't do something to hurt family. So he's yeah. in, he's for some reason having to be negative against family. So don't put his family in the middle of it. Like, I, I, I got like, it. But at the same time, like, all the more eight, to, Neither uh, of them drama. are there. So at least you could say, well, okay, Brian right. and me are gone. In nine, she like makes nine. a comeback because it's literally her brother. But it stretched credulity. But in this that, one, that opening sequence, it's her grandmother. It's a family dinner. Yeah. Her and kids aren't there, there and her husband isn't there. It. No. And they live in the same city. Yeah. They, Could you imagine, they, like, if your wife had a really important family gathering and you just yeah. kept your kid and stayed at home? Uh, no, like, oh, yeah, no. oh, your grandma's here from like Puerto Rico. I don't need yeah. to see that. And y'all have almost died a thousand times. Whatever, I'm good. Um, it just here's the gets thing: harder to buy. Oh, they and they have a way to do it that would be more interesting because there's a lot of criticism on this franchise for repeating beats and pairing up the same characters over and over again to continue the same dynamics instead of mixing things up. The idea of having Brian's character having his own objective is possible without him being on screen. Okay, having the kids be in a place where they need to be rescued and to have. Brian's character be responsible for their safety would have made a lot of sense to me in nine. Okay. The Toretto's are dealing with the Toretto's. So Brian is keeping their kids safe and separate from danger. Totally would have made sense to me and they didn't do it. And I don't know if they just don't have the time to think these things through. I get a lot of sense from this franchise that sometimes they don't have time to think some things through. Um, they sort of do reference in nine that Brian has the kids, which by extension you assume is also little B. But like, but imagine just, a scene. It's such a reversal from everything we've seen that Brian would have kept the kids and sent his wife's into harm's way. That just, I, I'm, it I'm doesn't just saying, even make sense. You could very easily have a uh, one scene. Goodbye. Where Jordana Brewster like grabs Paul Walker's like brother's hand and says like you know like I miss you we're gonna be safe like whatever and she leaves so that you know what his house looks like. Cut to later. Cut to the house being assaulted or blown up and they're not there. 
And all of a sudden, you have a procedural arc of Brian keeping the kids away without needing to use the actor. Like, it's, I mean, it's relatively I simple. Why they, I know why they can't. It just... Yeah. It, it, I, it'll almost still work better if... And I get that Jordana Brewster still has a career and, and would like to appear and people like seeing Pia, but it was still what they did in eight where they were all just gone. It made more made, sense. Made more yeah. sense, at least, even though it doesn't make sense at all. I mean, it's like his best, best friend. I, 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 uh, it, it's just, it, it continues to suck. It would that be Paul like Paul Walker passed away. Rocket being in peril and Star Lord just being like, dude, I'm, I'm eating cereal. Literally, Star Lord. I'm eating yeah. cereal somewhere else. Yeah. With my grandpa. I'm sorry. It's really good Captain Crunch today. I don't Dra know. Drax and Groot are like, there, we're going to be here <laughs> for you. Star Lord is like, I got to mow the neighbor's lawn. That was the. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to dive into the larger uh, world. I mean, look at those babies up in the top uh, left corner there. Uh, back know. in 2001. Little butt noses. Uh, so I have a, uh, a question for you first and here, of course, uh, the title for number eight, that's just going to drive you crazy on a yeah. poster. And I see what you're saying. It says fast and furious six. I swear to God, they called it furious six when they first did the marketing, but who knows? It's I've slept since then <laughs> as, as somebody who had to be completely familiar with the franchise, but had never seen a single film. What was it like diving into this marathon last week? Uh, it felt like a train wreck that I'm really glad I got to be a part of. Like, okay, here, here's, here's the Fast and Furious franchise. You open with Paul Walker and you don't know because they have restraint and subtlety that he's a police officer until about a third of the way through the movie. Well, I don't know. I think you know. Do you know? Go, I mean, like, you might know from, like, from, like, osmosis because you know what the story is when you're going into it. But the point is they don't bother to be like, all right, you understand your mission? Don't get caught up and fall in love with the girl. All the usual crap that you would see in 800 other movies that would look like this. this. Yeah, no, but he does it. He just does it. They just they just get right to the point. The first movie is is gorgeous. It's colorful, it's textured, it's shot on film, the CGI is used sparingly, it's it's layered in the way that the relationships are built among many different characters. And I buy, just as much as I buy Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, I buy the chemistry between Dom and uh, Brian. And the climax of that movie is almost perfect. I don't even know how it could be more perfect, but the idea that there's this invasive loss of family that drives the both of them to, without question, put defend the family first, and then they just keep driving, and you're not even 100% sure what they're driving for before they that moment. It's, it's so well done without ever once having to say, because we're family, or anything like that. Like... Vin Diesel is fantastic in the first Fast and Furious movie. He he feels like he's he's like a bear that like is going to 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 
die for anyone that he cares about in the movie. And everyone is, is like so bounces well off of him and off of Brian. And I never, I always thought that the way I would feel about Brian's character is that he was just kind of like, the way Keanu Reeves in Point Break is kind of like a, a newbie, naive, kind of like dumber guy. There is a certain amount of intelligence and like weight to his character that I didn't expect to be there. And so all of this and this big cocktail of so much to digest is there. And then you get to Too Fast, Too Furious. And it's just him and it's Tyrese Gibson and they have kind of good chemistry and it's ridiculous and there's rats in a bucket and he wants to save Ava Mendez. What are we doing? He's a criminal. Okay, the end. And then you get to Fast and the Furious 3 and they're like, forget all these. Here's this high school dude. He's going to mess around with the Yakuza. What are we doing? This movie actually takes place nine years in the future. I... <laughs> I What? Other than the cameo from Vin Diesel, you're like... What was this? I was infuriated at how I was spending my time. Okay? Uh, no so, pun intended. I think... The important thing to know is, so first of all, first film, you're talking about kind of a grounded Rob Cohen, I mentioned, is the director before you kind of got into all this. Rob Cohen's biggest feature film direction before this was the movie The Skulls, which I don't know if you remember, ironically had Paul Walker and uh, Joshua Jackson. It was like a secret society yeah. in a college. After this, he directed Triple oh. X. He directed Stealth. He directed the third he Mummy did movie. X. That's what I thought. He did he the directed, third Mummy movie. Yes, Mummy. There. Of the Dragon I don't Emperor. hate. I don't. Alex hate Cross. He did the Boy Next okay. Door. Hurricane Heist. So I mean, I wouldn't say he's incredibly no, no, no he's one was not incredibly Martin famous when they made this. Yeah. Gary Scott Thompson, who created this original script. Yeah. Did the TV show Las Vegas? I don't know if you ever saw it. I that was my jam. It it had a very specific aesthetic. When they went to go do the sequel, I I thought the sequel was kind of a jokeish and then they did Tokyo Drift and I was like, I, they're just hanging on. Now, how crazy then, is it that the person responsible for Tokyo Drift is the same person responsible for so many other installments in this in this series? Well, the driving action, so people that are fans of Tokyo Drift don't love it because of the story, because let's be honest. In fact, one of my biggest frustrations about F9 is probably that they retconned those two guys into being important parts of the, the franchise, you know, like Lucas Black and um, what's his name? Uh, this the, is the, not the wannabe rapper. Um, Bow Wow. Bow Wow. Yeah, it's it's this is not Lucas Black's fault, but I think I feel dangerously close to how you feel about Dante about him. Yeah. I mean their whole their whole shtick was a lot. But the the driving sequences were interesting. So let me tell you, like I remember in two in this in I think it was the summer of two thousand eight, because the movie released in two thousand nine. When they have this trailer, this uh, and I never knew I wanted to see Fast and Furious again until I saw the trailer for Fast and Furious, and I saw that Paul Walker and Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster were all back together, and I was like, "Take my money!" 
And I think that's actually, you know, when you, you talk about this franchise and yes, the first film is in 2001 and yes, I still love the fast and the furious, the original, but it didn't really, to me, the franchise, it as a franchise got birthed in 2009 in a film that was obviously meant to be a three film arc. Mm. They, they basically said, we're going to launch this kind of trilogy. And they were hoping people would care enough. Because the other thing is, fast The Fast and the Furious, it was a fine summer movie in 2001. Mm -hmm. But it didn't set any box office records. Or else yeah. for the sequel, they would have tried to bring the same people back together. And then the third one, it was like, well, let's try to keep this driving thing going. Let's see what happens here. Uh-huh. And that's the thing is, I think populations at large were not even aware that Vin Diesel would touch the series again. Um, that, that was the thing. When I saw that it was going to be Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, because that's that's what I, that's that's what's what I so, cared about. So great about the first and one. And they have a great short film called Los Bandoleros. Really? That, that tells you the kind of bridge story of how we got to where they are when they start fast and furious it's it's fantastic little short film it's actually comes attached to the fast and furious uh dvd when you buy it um that kind of tells this bridge story of how how that he got together that crew that was ripping off gasoline trucks and stuff yeah i really enjoyed that too and then then you know we were kind of off to the races for a while and i still think I would think of this franchise differently and the continuation differently if real life events hadn't taken Paul yeah. Walker. Cause to me, the best of the series is always been about them. So that kind of brings me to, you've seen all 10 now. What is your definitive ranking 10 to one? I, I, I want to hear yours. Okay. First, I, I, cause I've, I, I've been thinking about this like constantly all week and just like clicking things into place and being like, why couldn't this be like this? And like, I, I, Here's my. We're leaving Hobbs and Shaw aside Out. because yeah. Eric only had time for ten movies, and let me tell you, since some of these movies are 170 minutes, that was a lot. Also, Hobbs and Shaw is only loosely connected, and I'll be honest: if we were including it, it would still be dead last for me. I loathe that movie. Okay. Uh, number ten for me is uh, Tokyo Drift. I the driving is fine. It just never feels like it's really. Yes, it carries the Fast and Furious name. Uh, number nine for me is Too Fast, Too Furious. I understand that it introduced uh, Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson, and they are valued members of the franchise now. People love this movie, and God bless them, I do not. Too Fast, uh, Too Furious? Yeah, there are some people. You have so many other options. <laughs> like... but some people really, really like it. Ricky really, really likes it. He would tell you, aside from Tokyo Drift, there's never been a bad movie in the franchise. I will not go that far. Okay. Um, number eight for me is The Fate of the Furious. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So we're already I mean, fine and better from here on out. It's it's fine. I I don't care for Tokyo Drift. I'm not a huge fan of Too Fast, Too Furious. All the rest of them I own. 
so I, I can't say anything about and um even after what I said, I'm gonna end up buying 10. But um eight, it's a little bit ridiculous. I kind of like Charlize Theron, who is over the top, but felt like over the top in a way that was more interesting to me. I don't understand the different hairstyles they gave her. I don't understand the wardrobe they sometimes gave her. I thought the heel turn for Dom was one of the least believable heel turns in the history of film. Um, I did kind of like the way they worked in Helen Mirren. That's the other thing. You start in eight, you start building this incredibly ridiculous roster of people that have Academy Awards that shouldn't be in these movies uh, that that just keeps you keep adding to um i kind of liked you know the expansion of mr nobody and i think that's the first one where they introduced little nobody i think that was scott Scott eastwood yeah that is because that's when the rocks in it and they put him in prison and i mean there were some ridiculous things in there this is where it really started getting a little ridiculous. You know, they're battling a nuclear submarine. They're driving a Porsche on ice in Russia. <clears throat> then number seven for me is F9. Which I will say was a slight step up story-wise from Fate of the Furious. Because I don't know how you how you were ever going to recover from from losing Paul Walker. So eight was probably dealt a tough hand anyway. And there are things in eight that I don't mind. Nine has some really ridiculous things. I mean, they sent Ludacris and Tyrese Skips into space in a car. It was entirely unbelievable in, in a lot of ways. If, if you told somebody fa- fast, fast and furious nine, they're definitely going to space. They would have laughed like, ah, yeah, that's what, no, they did. Still a slightly better film. And then at, uh, what am I up to six? I would have uh, Fast 10, which I still think is a slight improvement. It's like middle of the pack for me, um, despite the things that that rankle me about it. There are still things I kind of liked about it. Some of the driving sequences were kind of interesting. Driving around Italy, um, if we were just completely suspending belief, um, was kind of fascinating, and some of the things that they did were kind of fascinating. Um, <clears throat> number five for me is Furious Seven. I'm torn because the the ending of that film and the tribute to Paul Walker, and when they start playing that music, you know, I'm looking for three hankies and a bottle of water to replace my ocular fluid loss. Um, but I don't love the story as much it started getting a little more ridiculous um you know that was the first one where they introduced mr nobody and i i didn't totally love jason statham as their as the bad guy um, I like him as an actor okay i just didn't totally and like I'm pretty sure that's the one where they blow up the parking structure at the end and then they have to, and Dom has to come back to life. And then you get the mysterious reveal of their wedding. There were, there were a lot of story things that just, um, yeah. Uh, number four for me is uh, Fast and Furious 6. 
I thought that was a that was a pretty solid action movie. I like them trying to get Letty back. Um, it's not spectacular, but I think it's probably one of the more underrated chapters. I don't think a lot of people think about it um, as much because it doesn't have like any of these wild and crazy things. Number three for me is The Fast and the Furious, the original film, um, which I still love. I still enjoy. Uh, but it is number three. Number two for me is Fast Five, which, as I mentioned earlier, I think is probably the best pure action film of the franchise. Um, they have a lot of fun because that's their first going on the run. Um, you bring back uh, what's his face from the original one um, and he betrays them. You introduce, uh, you know, The Rock to the franchise and um, Chris Hemsworth's wife to the franchise. And, you know, there, there's some fun aspects. I miss Letty, you know, she's not in, in that movie. Um, but it is probably one of the more fun action franchise uh, action films of the franchise. I like the end heist that they're doing. I like how they bring kind of the whole, they bring a team together. This is the first one where it was really about this kind of expanded team, but number one for me and has always been, and I've mentioned before, it's a little bit sentimental. I remember when I saw the first teaser trailer and I thought, Oh my God, I never knew I wanted to see this. And that's fast and furious, which is number four. And I know Ricky and I go back and forth. He's like, it's just kind of so plain. It's almost, it is almost, it feels like it should have been the sequel to the fast and the furious. I like that they come back together you still have Brian kind of, is he trying to make it in law enforcement, but he, he just feels this pull towards Dom and Mia. Um, you start out with what I think is a really incredible intense action sequence when they're trying to rob the gas truck. And one that feels more grounded than some of the big effects driven things that they do now, because it felt really tight and intimate and, and close. And Justin Lin does a great job of shooting uh, the film and bringing it all together. I liked the introduction of Giselle. I like that Paul Walker and Vin Diesel are both trying to, you know, break into this criminal organization. Um, there's a whole bunch of things I like about it. And I like at the end when Brian really has to make a decision because what's interesting about the first one is he lets him he lets him go and here you know Vin Diesel's like I'm not running and gets caught and Brian stands up for him and when he hears he gets that life sentence you see him storm out of the court and you end with him and Mia chasing the prison bus and you know what they're doing like he's made his decision Dom and Mir is family and he's going to do what he has to do. And that was really kind of like their bond. Mm -hmm. That's and, probably the best ending in the franchise. And so it's always been, and that probably governs a little bit of my fatigue with 10, the things that I've really loved about the franchise. If you looked at my top movies are, Hawker and Vin Diesel and this brotherhood that's unfortunately gone. Yeah. It sucks. It still sucks. 
I think it's going to keep sucking every movie until it's, you know. The year is 2055. Matt is on his third knee after replacement surgery. Still watching 85-year-old Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, my ranking is going to be fairly similar. But I did tweet it in advance, so I'm not making this up just now, okay? Three worst. What what are you doing? I cannot believe the person who made five and four like made this movie. Like it's like he, he did a dry run. The action. He didn't write the script. I, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even think the. I honestly, I don't think the action is that great. I, I think there are the a lot only of good thing about Tokyo Drift is that it gave us Justin. Can I just? Can I just? Can I just do the little breakdown real quick that just drives me insane? Real quick. Okay. So so Han Solo, the character Han Solo, um verified in seven when his name is brought up it's it's soul spelled like the city and then oh um oh my god yeah his the guy I've yeah his name is han solo okay D- becomes part of dom's team and it's like i'm going to help you i'm gonna criminal i'm gonna keep using my stuff i'm taking life really chill until giselle comes into his life and i love that relationship that was one of the oh. one, one of my favorite relationships that kind of grew naturally out of the characters just kind of like eyeballing each other. I don't know. And um and then he loses her. And that was one of the hardest things. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so honestly, took a little bit of a notch down for me that like the, the weight of that moment is like gone okay so here's the deal so this guy's like well i've been meaning to go to tokyo i'm kind of aimless and wandering or whatever so i'm gonna half sort of work for people that aren't the yakuza take a random interest in a high school kid then at a moment where my superior mr nobody couldn't possibly know that his enemy was going to blow up my car just pretend to have a phantom me in the car so that I can start to pretend to be dead so that I can come back. These are the kind of things that happen, though, when you don't realize what's going to happen after. Oh, my gosh. I don't even... I I think they knew in five. I think at the end of four, when he says, I'm going to go to Tokyo for a while, like or like around the beginning of there when he says that. It's the end of six when he goes. When he actually goes, but at the, yeah. at, at the when at four, oh, uh, after five. the truck thing, he says, I think I'll go to Tokyo. And then in five, he repeats it again. He says it to Giselle. He's like, she's like, didn't you want to go to Tokyo? And he's like, oh, we'll get there. And then in six is what he finds. Whatever. So the point is, I they they the every single movie made three worse that, and worse. Tell me that didn't become even more ridiculous with the surprise ending of Fast 10. No, I know. I that that's it's that's, even it's, it's even it's, worse. Now. His his life is becoming more and more convoluted, ridiculous, and 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 ripped out. And it's so weird for a character who's so cool, who's like the the only good thing to come up. I'm so sorry, everyone else who involved in the production of three, but it's the only good thing to come out of it was Han. And and so okay, so three's at the bottom. Okay, then to me, the biggest difference between your and my list is I have nine. That the movie, it just it just frustrated the crap out of me. Trying to force this idea of Dom had a brother, and, and why touch it? Why why mess with it at this point? Like, also, do you ever struggle doing that math? Like, 
89 him looking like he was 20. You know what? It worked. It, 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 uh, it, and 89 to 2001 is uh, 11 years. 11 years. years. He's currently 53, which means that he was 31 when the Fast and the Furious 1 came out. I mean, it works if you want to use his real age, but I don't think he's supposed to be. I don't, I don't think his, so either. I don't in think these so. movies. That's what doesn't. Yes, his real age, spot on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so I, I again, that's one of the dumb things. They used his real age. So here we are, and he's in 1989, and we see the incident where he used the thing on the guy, and I was like, okay, whatever. You explain, you're starting to do the explain the history thing that nobody in the world has ever liked. And uh, maybe some people out there, but they whatever. Have, you know, nine would have just been so much better if they had said it in like uh, 1998 and used de aging on Vin Diesel. No, I'm just kidding. De aging is never um, anything. Just, just, just flip and repeat the the twist from six to seven, and have uh, have um, Cipher have a sister or some crap. You know, like I don't, you know, I don't need this. Like and just to keep flashing back to it and to do all this kind of stuff, it builds up to this moment, like where everyone is a cartoon character. Where and that's the my big problem with that movie to me, where uh, Vin Diesel like grabs some change and like rips the entire infrastructure of this building down in order to take I mean, out like ten. Fast then he flipped a car. It, yes, okay. It, I'm saying it didn't get much better from nine to ten, but but okay. You know, I'll tell you what he did do in ten that he didn't do in nine was emote. So. <laughs> okay so um that was the big reason why that one got pumped up a couple notches i'm i'm supposed to believe all these things that are happening and it just got insane okay so that's nine is is really low for me then you got too fast too furious which is still i'm not i'm not re-watching this movie anytime soon for any reason uh the bad guy was like like dislikable enough but the the whole thing with ava mendez and her weird i am an undercover police officer but i'm also somehow definitely the victim and like she just rides such a weird line and the relationships aren't totally clear because it, it feels like they're trying to build up something that they end, don't end up doing anything with like by the end of that movie brian is not a police officer stole a bunch of money and is going to go open an auto shop and then he's an FBI agent. At the they don't the even pretend in four. They just pretend that didn't happen. He. This like, is he your last like, chance, O'Connor. Yeah. So, like, like four. He failed up to the FBI, which we did. Yeah. Oh, so like two, two is just kind of like whatever. Like, I, I, I really, I do like Ludacris. I like Tyrese Gibson. I, I think it establishes like some dynamic. I, I think two is the reason you get a movie like five that works mm. where they ha characters have histories that feel like they come together and it feels satisfying in that way, but it's still, it's whatever. Then I have eight. Eight is, is just, it did. It sucked. They didn't have Paul Walker. I don't think they knew at that point what the franchise was going to be from there on out. Um, Justin Lin still hadn't come be, back. Uh, a Jack Ryan. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was the hunt like, for Black October, <laughs> and you know it was right in that time period where they were making Optimus Prime, the bad guy, doing Civil War, Batman v Superman, and this movie. So, like every mm -hmm. single movie had had I'm the good guy, but I'm the bad guy this time, and it's like no, they're not. But well, we're not that no. different, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, 
So um, the only thing I say I'll say I can appreciate about eight is it established a villain that didn't just immediately turn into a good guy the next movie and be kind of funny. Um, but whatever. So like, okay, so so eight has a lot of strengths as like an action movie, and I think like my line is like after two, these are all like movies that say you get you get some merit, some entertainment, and a value out of watching them and whatnot. It's like it's like worth your time. Um, and then fast, I, I, I honestly, I'm debating with seven and 10, but I think 10 is, is right there for me because while I very much did enjoy 10, I still like this series the best when it is trying to take itself a little bit seriously. I, I don't like the era of them pushing things beyond like like trying to be ridiculous and trying to like wink and like say where they're ridiculous like no just be what you are honestly and enjoy what you love and that's there's so many diehard fans out there that get a lot out of it it's like i don't know so um the one thing i, I will say about 10 is there is more emotion from vin diesel than there has been in like th like the last two installments he 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 genuinely seems like the stakes are big he seems like he's worried for his family he that he was given enough direction even though most of his scenes he's alone he really felt like he was in the middle of the stakes of the situation um so then after 10 comes 7 which i flip flip side of you i really liked um shaw mm -hmm. Jason Statham uh, as a villain. I, I I remember I was thinking the whole movie, how is this guy supposed to become a quote unquote good guy? We start with him having like blown up a hospital that was trying to save his brother's life. I don't even understand like half what he's doing half the time. But I know that that character has a deep hatred and vengeance streak for all of the characters that are involved in the team that took his brother down that just disappears immediately. In the eighth one, yeah, I, well, it's yeah. very bizarre because in Cause the beginning they, of seven, they rescued his brother though. They rescued him, but like his brother was still like it's just a very, it's a very bizarre line to be written because no on, one ever dies. And on top of that, from eight in there, Helen Mirren being their mother, who is just like, oh Dom, you flirted with me. I'll help you forever now. They've tried to murder both of your children, like. If anyone in this in these movies actually has a really strong reason for wanting to use their muscle and power for revenge on Dominic Toretto and his family, it's Helen Mirren. And they just she just keeps not caring. And it's it's a little bit of a joke to me at this point. Um so cashing them checks. And here's the thing is they, they did such hard work to complete Paul Walker's performance, and he's great, and I miss him a lot. And in those movies and in seven, um, I will say the one thing though, I'm going to poke at him a little bit is that when Dom is supposed to be dying, he does the worst on-screen representation of CPR that I think I've ever seen in a movie. He's like hammering away at his chest saying, breathe into his mouth right now while I'm doing this. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But, it um, worked. <laughs> oh my bad. That's right. I forgot it worked. So yeah, obviously <laughs> And then, Gosh. as much as I 
as much as I love them playing that song and driving off, yeah, literally, where are they going? They left their wives at the beach, dude. <laughs> to heaven, I guess he pulled <laughs> off. Like, oh, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so that was the thing about Seven, though, is its ending falls so flat for what they built up. But I think it had to. Seven well, the sp- real ending is the the Paul Walker. <laughs> the the ending is the goodbye to Paul Walker, but unfortunately, that means the movie is just like mounting tension, a few explosions, and then a real quick scene of them getting Dom back to life. Smash cut to the beach. The Rock leaving the hospital, cracking. Oh, his- I mean, you're in a cast so usually because things are broken, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Um- <laughs> But not anymore, click. Um, and Elena had time to come back, but uh, to talk to him, but not to tell Dom that she was carrying his love child. Uh huh. So, um, don't, don't think about the plot. All right, too, moving on. That's we're moving on from seven. Uh, is is I'm gonna say four. Uh, Fast and Furious, which I, I absolutely agree with you. I feel like this movie is a direct sequel to the original, especially since chronologically. And with that little added touch of them just completely dismissing the plot of the second one, it very much is this direct sequel to the original. So, I mean, like, the, it, it's it's heartfelt. It, it's, it's a little bit grounded. It's a little bit over the top with the CGI. Um, and the villain is still your grounded, like, drug lord, criminal kind of person. So it does, it feels kind of like bare bones for what it is. They haven't quite found their new voice as the criminal grouping, or not criminal as the, the, the heist family. team, the family. They haven't quite found that identity as a series yet. And, um, but they have recognized what's, what works. And they've gotten everyone together. And the director, like night and day, flipped into into suddenly like really competently handing a lot of intense sequences. But um, so, so I'm gonna put above four. I put six. Okay, which I I there's just like a lot of payoffs in this trilogy of four, five, and six. There's there's the setup of this mystery. I, I, I Letty coming back from the dead makes the most sense for me out of anyone because we never really saw her die. It's it's this investigation that was opened and talked about and claimed, and I you can almost sort of tell it kind of fits that maybe she didn't. Now, her losing her memory, I, I think they do a lot of work to try to pay that off, like over seven. But in the end, I still think seven in the end like rushed it. But that's not six's fault. I think the dynamic of Dom re-earning that character's trust, loyalty, and connection worked so well that I, I I give that movie a lot more credit than some of the other ones. I also really like Luke Evans uh, for being one of the grounded villains that's not over the top. I think he does a great job. Um, but it kind of, I'll be honest, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy in that you have yeah. something introduced in Fast and Furious that you don't that you kind of circle back and find the guy behind the guy mm-hmm. in uh, Fast and Furious Six, and the payoff there is almost the way that Batman begins and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. The, well, you just Arguably have a really not fun one of the strongest st- elements of The Dark Knight Rises, but that's okay. 
The Dark Knight Rises is a wildly underrated film. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, but I just I don't I don't think it necessarily has to be like you know the tie was behind it the whole time. Yeah, but um, so and then and then it's five, and uh, so five is my second from the top, and and that is because five. For one, I'm I'm fairly certain that the entirety of the franchise from the moment they hit the water is a fever dream that happened, kind of like the occurrence at Owl Creek, where they they're dead, and the rest of this is just the few minutes before they hit the water. They're on the um, island and lost. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, because Which, that's... you know that show was decidedly not about purgatory; it was about the quirk between heaven and hell. Yeah, um, five. So so five is the one that starts the tradition, where people are in circumstances where they should be injured and they don't quite even bother to do the, the ambiguous gut wound. Like at the end of four, Paul Walker has the ambiguous gut wound in movies where he's like, ah, is it bad? And they're like, you know, Oh, you'll be okay, buddy. You know, like, and they kind of pat him on the Which shoulder. Which really being gut shot is like one of the worst things that can happen to you, but yeah, okay. you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bleeding. And they're like, Oh no, then they move on. But they, they, I, with five is where they started like stopping that, but things still felt relatively grounded. And I think there's a reason that when they decided to start the finale of the series, that they went back to this one. And like you said, I think it's, it's the best, like just action movie or whatever. But the thing about me is that to me, the best action movies are driven by character. And that is why my number one is The Fast and the Furious 2001. That movie, I know I'm talking about the same characters, so I don't know if this will make 100% sense, but it has the best characters. It has the best relationships. It has just everything. The only thing that other movies might have over, over it, and this is wildly debatable, is... um like the villain could be more memorable, you know, like that, that's it. And like, you well, really is, don't need there that. There is no villain. There's really, there is no villain. There's this suggestion. I mean, there's I mean, the one that the, the, the villain is the archaic system that would, force, <laughs> that would force somebody into a life of crime. Yeah. So, um, I like, I, the, the, I just, I can kind of tell why that was so special to so many people that after they, people had like eight years to digest it, four came back and there was this big fan base waiting for them. And then they found this right cocktail of how to do the action movies. And the, the, at least as far as seven, they were still making more and more money off of each installment from there. Like the, it's just, that movie surprised the hell out of me as someone who walk, grew up thinking that it represented a certain subculture and being standoffish and judgy of other people because I was a stupid kid. That movie, that movie, like, I really wish I could go back and tell my younger self to start sharing the experiences of these movies with my friends. Mm -hmm. Because having to watch all of these basically in a sound booth while I'm doing work on the side... It was such a disservice to the experience of every once in a while being like, and like wanting to check and see if other people saw what I just saw and no one's there. Like I absolutely will be seeing these from now on with people like that is so absolutely uh, a thing. And, and, you know, that is probably a little piece of it for me. I, I remember seeing the fast and the furious in theaters. I went with my sister. I, we were home 
from college. I actually had the exact same kind of car that Jacob has in Fast 10. And I remember, you know, hard top 1985 Mustang. That was the car that I had. And I remember like being half tempted to like race home. Yeah. After seeing it, you know, because charged up, I, I let you know, but then my fear of getting a, a speeding infraction kind of kicked in there. But just, I mean, I remember it being fine, and that's that is, is probably still a piece of the nostalgia that is. Um, and, and you know, my feelings about one and four, I don't disagree when you're talking about characters, but what I why four elevates a little bit more for me is i was invested in dom and brian and in the first movie it's the betrayal that comes in the third act and you don't really get to see them make up he lets him go and that was essentially i mean it's the same thing as keanu letting patrick swayze surf into into the giant wave in four you see the the kind of Older. respect and the relational cachet and it's about the building of this brotherhood and the building of a new family and that's i guess that's just what you know ricky always kind of you know when i make fun of these later ones is like you just know you're not bought into family no i think i'm bought into family more than you are i miss I lost, you know, you lost your brother and yeah. it just isn't the same. It was those two guys, even when they started building a team in five, six and seven, it's those two guys. Yeah. When Brian ridiculously goes and gets himself thrown in prison and does this entire thing, oh my comes God. back in seven and he's going to tell Dom what he learned. He's like, whatever you learned, it's just for you. And I'm like, bro. He got himself thrown in prison. You're not even going to let him tell you what he found out. That is so cold, but okay. <laughs> Whatever you um, found out, that's just for you. What? Yeah. Yeah. It, Actually, it, that might have been in six. That's in six. Because It is. It's, about it, like, I, I get you're just I got it. To him, you're like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's a whole legacy of characters being introduced as being opposed to the family, then seeing, you know what, they're all right, and then being invited to the barbecue, another family forevermore. Like, and it's just these beautiful personal beats in some of these movies. Like, you know, they're they're on the run and they have all this going, but Paul Walker and Vin Diesel sharing a Corona. Just, <laughs> yeah. Talking about, which I feel like they've completely gone away from that. I thought Corona bought stock in those films going through. Oh, really? Going through like number six. I don't, don't you remember like in the first one, you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. <laughs> but uh, you I know, remember that now. Yeah. Ed Diesel and Paul Walker sitting there talking about their fathers mm. and their fears about father. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of, you just, they don't have time for any of that anymore. Seven kind of started that. Seven's the one where they go to Dubai and drive through the buildings. I now yeah. I remember. There were just so many. That was the first where you started going, right? Yeah. And they had to replace Giselle, so they went and got Nat Nathalie Emanuel. Hmm. 
but it's fitting that our, I think the longest show we've ever done is on the Fast franchise. On a 10-movie franchise? I think it is fitting, yes. Well, you know what? Uh, if you enjoyed this, next week I will show you the world as we watch The Little Mermaid. And if you've seen the original one, you know that's a line from the song. Oh, no. <laughs> Just a reaction. So next week, we'll look at The Little Mermaid, and we will talk about some of the good, bad, and ugly of Disney's live-action animated adaptations. I know I have my favorites and the ones that I wish they had not made. Just by the look on your face, I can tell you do as well. I did not get to go to my press screen for A Little Mermaid, so I'll be watching it next week. But people that have seen it said it is incredible, so I'm kind of looking forward to that and trying to figure out how they took an 84-minute cartoon and made it a 145-minute film with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Until then, uh, check out all of the Fast and Furious movies, yeah. and we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>